Take our Bibles today to Mark chapter number 5. Does anyone need a handout for the sermon? Is everyone good? Anyone need a handout? We're all good? You need one? And so here, I can give you mine right here. There you go. Oh, you got one there? Alfredo, you got it there? All right. Now, I'm doing something today I don't normally do, okay? And so what is that you're probably wondering? Never do I preach and have a Starbucks with me. That never happens. <laughs> but it was my birthday yesterday, Father's Day today, so Caroline brought it to me. And so I'm like, I'm drinking it right now. So I don't know. I could get hyper during the message today. Leave that over there. You're not gonna. I, I knew there was an ulterior motive to it. I should have known that's what there was. And so, but you got to drink it before it gets watered down, right? That's the way it goes. If it gets watered down, there's nothing worse than well. Before before going on my diet and losing this 109 pounds, <laughs> coffee. I didn't drink coffee for nothing. I was like, I would make fun of her drinking coffee. That's because I drank enough soda that I got a good little kick from the soda, the caffeine, and that. And then you quit drinking all that soda, and you're like, I need some caffeine. So what does that mean? You start drinking coffee a little bit. But as you can tell, it still looks like there's quite a bit of cream in there. I'm not like some of you that drink it black, and you guys need, you need to get saved if you drink coffee black. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> and, and yes, it, there's sugar-free stuff in there, so that's what makes it all okay. So, but actually, that, the technically, the sugar-free stuff's worse for you than the regular, right? And so, but we'll leave that alone if... And um, I'm 36 now. I'm getting old, but I actually can run. I can run five miles without stopping. And as a 14-year-old, I couldn't do that. So that's that's pretty crazy overall. So, but uh, this morning when I woke up, I spent a lot of time on this message last night. And um, I woke up. I I feel like I'm 36 today. So some of you that are double my age, I don't know how you do it, or gonna be 96 in a few days. I don't know how you do it right there. And so. On Tuesday, 96th birthday, and that's a blessing, and that's so great. I, I hope that if the Lord allows me to be 70, that I can have the energy and spunk you have. And so that energy and spunk keeps you going. It keeps your daughter and son-in-law going, too. It keeps the whole family going. And so, yeah, she does keep everybody going. So we're going to take our Bibles to Mark chapter number 5. We're going to dive right into the message today. It's amazing to me, we've been going through a series on uh, the book of Mark. And for Mother's Day, literally, Jesus' mother is mentioned in that passage and fit right into the message that day. Today, it's amazing that Jairus is here, and his daughter's about to die, and he has faith in Jesus. And so we see a father's faith. It's amazing how it lines up with Father's Day and Mother's Day, and it wasn't even meant to be that way. And then also this morning, the message... There's, I go into quite a few things that try to be a help, and I was all week long. I'm like, that's the direction you want me to go? Because when you study a passage of Scripture, there's so many di different directions you could go. But then this morning, with those who are here in the first service and second service, I totally see why the Lord led me in the direction He led me with this passage. And so I hope that this morning it will be a blessing and an encouragement to your heart. Because some people need that this morning. For some people, Father's Day is a great day, and for others, it's a hard day. And so I just, I think of you, you know, and not putting anybody, not putting anybody on spot, 
So like I prayed extra for you today, Patrick. I know it's your first year without your dad here. And I thought of you this morning. I thought how privileged I am to be able to call my dad and to go see him this afternoon. But he's pushing 80. And who knows how many more years I'm going to have, but I'm going to take advantage of every year that I've got. But thank the Lord for heaven. And to think that your dad's with his heavenly father, there's really no better place he could be this morning. What a place for Father's Day to be, to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords and the Father of all. And I think of others, just tragedies that have happened just recently and all these different things. And so let the message be an encouragement to your heart this morning. I hope that it will be. We look at Mark 5, verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Before we dive into the scriptures here, one of the things that I love, last week we studied the maniac of Gadara. Do you realize Jesus went over on the boat to the other side for that one man? That one man mattered to Jesus. To the society, to all those around, this man didn't matter. This man, they were scared of him. He was living in the cemetery. They tried to bind him, do all these things. And yet Jesus went there for this man. Because the Bible tells us that the people want him to leave after he cast the devils out of that man. So he leaves, but he went for the one man. That one man mattered. That one man and his struggle mattered to the Lord. And this morning, no matter where you're at, what's going on in your life, you matter to God and where you're at today. So they tell Jesus to leave. He gets back on the boat and goes back to Capernaum, back to the other side. And it's amazing. When he left there, there was a huge group of people. When he comes back, what do we see? Look at the next verse. And behold, uh, it says, it says in the other side, and, there, and he was nigh unto the sea, and it says, much people gathered unto him. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thine hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. There was no social distancing in this passage here. They were crowded in together, tight, compacted. And then we see here it says, And a certain woman was had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I will be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now come on, when you're in a group of people, are you really going to know who you bump shoulders with? And the disciples, that's their answer. Look at what it says, verse 31. And his disciples said to them, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? You see, there's people everywhere. Why are you even asking? Tons of people touched you. They didn't quite understand what he was talking about. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now, Jesus could have just kept going. He didn't have to stop for this lady. 
And I really wish I, would, I could take more time this morning and really pause on this lady for a little bit of time. But the fact that Jesus comes and she, just, she had a, the faith of she could just touch his garment, she could be healed. And then she's healed. Jesus could have just kept going. But no, he stops. And do you see what the Bible says there, daughter? He calls her daughter. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. Called her daughter. She got saved right there. Her faith in Jesus saved her and he took the plague away. She believed that Jesus is who he said he was. And he recognized that. She wouldn't have been his daughter otherwise. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we keep on going. It says, And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when, they had put the, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Father, we need you this morning. I pray that you'd help us in this passage. Meet with us this morning and do a work that only you can do. I pray that you'd work on hearts this morning. Be with those who need something in the message today that they would be right or receive it and that you could be a help to them today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You'll notice throughout the book of Mark as we've gone through here, you'll notice it's like sequence of events take place. Chapter number three, chapter number four, for the most part, you see that the Pharisees got really upset with Jesus and the stuff that he did. You'll see the scribes got very upset with Jesus and what he did. You'll see his family got very upset with him and thought that he was beside himself and what he did. You see those things happen. Then it goes from those things to where we see a bunch of hopeless situations. It started three weeks ago as we looked at the storm. And Jesus told the disciples, let us go to the other side. And in the midst of the storm, the disciples felt hopeless. Like there's no hope. Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? But you got to understand something. They had the master with them. And Jesus has power over hopeless situations. And for them, that storm looked hopeless but the one who created the storm was able to say peace and calm the storm. And in the midst of that helpless situation, Jesus shows that he has the power over the storms of life. We saw last week, there's a maniac of Gadara. Society tried to chain this man up by his feet, by his arms. He cut himself constantly. He cried out. He lived among the tombs in the caves. He was in a hopeless situation. Our world 
wouldn't know what to do with this man. But Jesus came to this man, and this man said, I have, we, my name's Legion. He had anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 demons inside of him. And Jesus has power over the demons. And Jesus showed power in this helpless situation. We could look at this woman that we mentioned today who had this issue of blood, the hemorrhaging. She had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. And even look at how it's worded there. It says in verse number um, 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians. I mean, every doctor tried whatever they could, and no doctor could heal her. She tried every experimental drug, everything that could happen, she tried. And in fact, not only did she try all those things, she spent all of her money trying to get this figured out, and nothing helped. Her situation went from bad to worse to worse, and she was in the middle of a hopeless situation. But Jesus brings hope in the midst of disease. And you see that there, that this woman, what doctors could not do, Jesus helped her with. And once again, a hopeless situation, Jesus helped with. Now we look at today's passage and the rest of it, and we see death. Death. It's one thing to calm a storm. It's one thing to cast out demons. It's another thing to cast out disease. But death. And Jesus shows us today that he has victory over death. And what seems impossible with man is not impossible with God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible tells us, Now unto him that is able to do, look at these words, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And when Mary was getting ready to have a child of the Holy Ghost, these words were given her, for with God, Luke one thirty seven, nothing shall be impossible. You serve a God today who's the God of the impossible. The text for my message this morning, and the title comes from verse 36. Jesus looks to Jairus and says to him, look at that there, be not afraid, only believe. We're going to go through this story, and what you're going to see as we go through this today, and I give you these points, you're going to see a roller coaster ride is what you're going to see. Ups, downs, quick turns, all over the place. And you get back and you don't know what just happened. That's how life is. That man came to Jesus believing that Jesus could do something for his daughter. What faith he had. Hey dads, what an example it is for us of the faith that we need to lead our homes. You see a dad with faith that Jesus could do something. But then in the midst of it all, Jesus gets stopped by this lady and this crowd and all these things. And the man hears, your daughter's died. Leave the master alone. Quit bothering him. That's kind of a cold response by whoever told him this. 
But what you see happens is Jesus looks to Jairus here and he looks at him and says, hey, don't be afraid. Just keep believing. The belief you had to come to me that I could heal your daughter, don't pay attention to what everyone's saying. I, don't focus on that. Just keep believing in me. I, I'll take care of this. That's how God is for all of us today. You might be in a situation and be like, I don't see how this is, can turn out. With God, all things are possible. As a believer, all things work together for good. And you're like, how could this be good? The Bible never says all things are good. The Bible says all things work together for good. You might not see it right now or understand it, but I want you to know something today. Think about Joseph. Was it good to go to prison? Was it good to be lied about? Was it good to be a slave? Was there a lot of good? No, but... Eventually became second in command of Egypt. Then his family needed help, and God worked it together for good. Remember, even Joseph said that, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And you know, you can't always see the end of the story. You know, like we have the Bible, we see what takes place here today. In your life, we don't get that privilege right now. And sometimes I really wish we could. But I want you to look this morning and let's learn some things from this passage. Let it be a help to you today. Number one, we see the conception of his faith. The conception of his faith. We look at this man, verse 21 says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter... Lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Jesus has just returned from quite a night. He healed this man, the maniac of Gadara. He and his disciples come back to the other side. He delivered this man, all these things, and now there's a group of people in Capernaum waiting for him. And they've gathered to hear him speak, whatever the case may be. Some were hoping to be healed, but they're all there to see Jesus. And there's a man named Jairus here. He rushes into the crowd, surrounds Jesus, and this story helps us. And this is what we're going to focus on, a man whose faith would be tested and tried throughout this whole process. And so as we think about the conception of his faith, we see letter A, we see the direction of his faith. He was a ruler in the synagogue which means he was one of the officials who oversaw the business of the synagogue. He was not a priest. He would have had part in the service and would have helped make sure everything was in order for the synagogue. He was important in his community. Jairus, he possessed power. He had privilege. He had prestige. He had position. He had prominence. He's a wealthy man because he had people working for him. He has a fine home. He was a religious man. He practiced the Jewish faith. And at this moment in his life, it doesn't matter how much money he has, 
doesn't matter how much power he has, doesn't matter how much religion he has, none of those things matter because sickness has entered into his house. His daughter, his little daughter, his 12-year-old daughter is on death's door. She's dying and needed help. And Jairus needed help that none of his resources could provide. This heartbroken father knew he needed help, and he went to the one place he thought he could find help. It must have been hard for Jairus to go to Jesus. Do you remember this is the same synagogue where they got upset with him for what he had just done earlier? His colleagues, the scribes and those there in that, they didn't, they didn't approve of what Jesus had done. This man knew of these things. And yet he goes to Jesus. All of his colleagues there in the synagogue did not approve of Jesus and his methods. Most of the synagogues had been closed off to Jesus even doing anything with them. Yet this father in desperation turns to the man named Jesus to help him with his needs. Fear of death, love for his daughter, and a sense of helplessness, helplessness got this man to Jesus. Let me just remind you this morning that tragedy doesn't care who you are today. The trials of life do not just pass us by. They come when we least expect them. Think about what the Bible tells us in the book of Job. In the Bible, Job chapter 14, verse number 1. Do you have that verse on the screen? Man is born of a woman, is a few days, and full of trouble. What a comforting verse. Isn't that a comforting verse right there? Like, what's the point then? But I think that describes life. Man is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Look at what it says. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You are going to have trials. Mark it down. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Tragedy doesn't care if you go to church or not. Sickness and death could care less about your achievements, your assets. When the trials of life come, you need something outside of yourself to help you in the midst of those times. Money will not help. Power will not help. Achievements will not help. You need Jesus. You need a faith that rests not in what you can do, but in him and him alone. Who do you trust today when your world's falling apart? See letter A, we see the direction of his faith, but letter B, we also see the depth of his faith. He had to have heard what Jesus could do, right? Because he says, just if you'll go, if you'll just come and just touch her, she'll be healed. He had to have heard stories about those who had been healed by Jesus' touch. Maybe he was even in the synagogue when it took place or by the seashore when Jesus reached out. Regardless of it, he heard about it, he saw it with his own eyes, and Jairus believed that Jesus could do this for his daughter. He humbled himself and came before Jesus. He came to him knowing, you're the one who could help. Do you know that's the type of faith that the Lord's looking for today? Those who will say, God, I need you. You're the only help 
You're the only one who can help me in this situation. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves. And the trials of life and the things that come to our life, we have to come to the, own of our own, come to the end of our own abilities. So th- because you've got to understand something. On Wednesday night, we're going through questions and answering questions. One of the things I hear people say often, and it's not biblical, but God won't give you more than you can handle. That is such an unbiblical statement. And I know where they get that from, and I'm going to go through that passage of Scripture with you. But you've got to understand something. God won't give you more than he can handle. I think that's a much more scriptural way to say it. Because in those times, we need him to help get us through. This man, all that he had, everything else, could not help him at this time. The, and, that's, and this is what happens. We go through a tough time, and we're in a tough spot, and we look to God, and we're like, you're supposed to be good, and you're supposed to be there for me. Then all these things happen. And what happens is you're going to let your circumstances of life do one of two things. They're either going to make you bitter towards God, or they're going to help you get better. And I tell people often, you go through a huge trial, a huge hurt in your life, and people come see me and we talk, and I just beg of them. I know deep down inside right now you blame God for what's happened in your life. But he's there, he loves you. And he will get you through like no one else can. Don't step away from him. Draw closer to him right now. The depth of his faith. Faith in Jesus, it starts small. And with this man, it gets tried. His faith maybe even wavers a little bit. We'll see that here in just a minute. But we'll see what happens. But God has a way of growing our faith as we walk with him through life. We see number one this morning, we see the conception of his faith. Number two, we see the confusion of his faith. The confusion. This man, all he wanted was for Jesus to come and heal his daughter. So it would have been nice was if Jesus had a helicopter, could have flown right from where he was, straight to Jairus' house, and just taken care of the situation right away. He goes through a crowd of people. As he goes through this crowd of people, we look at verse 24. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things and many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better but grew, but rather grew worse, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? The confusion of his faith. 
Somebody said it like this, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. We see Jairus' faith being put to the test here. A hopeless situation grew worse and worse, and a faith that was weak was brought to a breaking point. You say, well, what do you mean? We see letter A, we see there had to be some confusion or being confused by hindering situations. Jesus says, I'll go with you. Now, as we read this passage, she's on, Jairus' daughter's on death's door. One of the things, if you, and I've, I've been around enough people and been able to minister when people are close to passing. And there's just something when it gets close to that time, when someone gets close to death's door, you can just tell something changes. And there is, there's a sign a little different. You can tell when it gets close. This man is trying his best to get Jesus there fast. And yet this crowd of people surround him. In this crowd of people, could you imagine how Jairus is feeling here? This woman's been sick for 12 years. What's one more hour going to be? He doesn't need to talk to her right now. He should just go with me and heal my daughter. My daughter's about to die. Doesn't he care? Probably was running through his head. And Jesus is taking time to talk to this woman. Do you imagine he's probably impatient there, right? Maybe even a little upset. His daughter's dying. It's even possible that this man knew this lady and the issues that she had. If so, why couldn't she just wait another hour? What you got to understand is this, and you think about it, those of you with children in the room, when your kids are sick, or there's something that comes unexpected, it will tear you up inside. Remember a couple weeks ago on Sunday night, here, Alyssa decided to play, I don't know what she was doing, she was swinging on tables with her arms, did a face plant into the tile downstairs with her front teeth. And Allison wasn't watching her at the time. No, I don't know what Allison was doing in class during that time. Just teasing you, Allison. I'm just teasing you. So, But Allison had her back to No, I don't know what Allison was. I'm just, Allison, I'm just giving you a hard time. Just giving you a hard time. Your dad's here, so i got to give you a little bit of a hard time there. And uh, But Allison comes up with a panicked look on her face. We had literally just started church. And so, you know, and then I see Alyssa's mouth is bleeding. Caroline takes her home. And all during the service, I preached and got through the service, but all I thought about is what is up with my daughter. And that was just her mouth hitting the ground. This man's daughter's about to die. Can't imagine how he felt during this time. But I want you to understand something. You might look and like Jairus here as we look at this passage, he's just wanting Jesus to go heal his daughter. But... You might look and he, you might think to yourself, well, why didn't Jesus just go? It might look like his delay is a little insensitive on his part. But you've got to understand something. He knew the seriousness of the situation Jesus did. He knows the broken heart of the Father here. He knows the urgency of the need. But Jesus paused to help this woman out. What seems to be harsh or maybe even a little insensitive by our Savior is a great little lesson for us to learn. 
The first lesson that we can learn from this is this, that deity doesn't run on our schedule. God is not a genie that you can just rub a magic lamp and he, just go, he does whatever you want him to do whenever you want him to do it. Got to understand something this morning. God, think about this, he doesn't even run on time, right? He's in eternity. There is no such thing as time. <coughs> For him, a thousand years is like one day. <coughs> Isn't that what the Bible says? So when you look at that and you think about that, you think about it, he doesn't, he's not bound by time and space. It may surprise you, but God doesn't have a clock or a calendar like we do. And he doesn't run on our schedule. The second thing is this. The delays of life are designed to increase our faith. This, you say, well, that's just not fair. Jesus knows what's best for us. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. But he does know what's best. He knows what we need. If, and this is the thing. We can tr- it's amazing to me how many people trust him for salvation. There is nothing harder in the world than salvation. Anything we go through doesn't compare to salvation. The fact that he will keep us from falling, and once you're in the Father's hand, no man can pluck you out, Satan can't get you out, death, life, nothing can separate you from the love of God. If he's got your salvation figured out, he can figure out your life as well. Even when you don't understand. You know, God doesn't run on our schedule, and the delays of life are designed to increase our faith. And when God doesn't move as quickly as you would like him to trust him anyways he's trustworthy i'll give you a little thought here before we go any further there are two types of people in life there are those who are early and those who are late there is no such thing as being on time if you were okay let's just use this one as an example if you were on time this morning That means at 10 o'clock and zero seconds, you came in the building and sat at your seat right on time. Church didn't start till 10.05. Church didn't even start on time today. So don't ever say that you're you're an on-time person because there's no such thing for us. You're either early or you're late. That's the only way that it is. And let me just help you out here. Try your best to be an early person. Because when, when you are late, you're, making every, you're taking time from everybody else that you're, so you're really, I'm, I'm, not, not trying, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but when you're late, it's actually being selfish to some degree because you're stealing everyone else's time because you're saying I'm more important than you are. I know it's Father's Day and I know that's not even part of the message this morning, but I just felt the Lord wanted that said for a minute here. And you say, why did church start five minutes late then, Pastor? Because the last service went long. The Holy Spirit said to keep preaching. I had to keep doing what he told me to do. The service went long last service. So I want to make sure there was enough break before we got back going. But this is the thing. We are never on time. We're either early or late, but God is always on time. He's never early to a situation. He's never late. He literally is always on time. Don't forget that. 
So I'm sure Jairus here was confused by hindering situations. Lord, just come on, let her be. Confused by hopeless situations. As Jesus is finally finishing up with this woman, some people come from his house, Jairus' house, with the devastating news, your daughter's dead, and they don't sugarcoat it at all. You know, it would have been nice if they would have like, hey, here, bud, sit down for a minute, we want to talk to you. And uh, maybe you need to set up, maybe you need to spend some extra time with Jesus, but your daughter's died, I'm so sorry. No, look at how they word it. Look at how they word it there. It says, <clears throat> thy daughter's dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Why are you bothering Jesus anymore? It doesn't matter, your daughter's died, time to move on. It's just the way it is. That's literally what they're saying right here. Could you imagine how this news rocked his world? He was trying to get Jesus there before she died. And to hear that, she's di that she had died, I'm sure this news took that faith that he had, that Jesus, if you just come, you can heal my daughter. And then to hear that Jesus helps this woman out, and now my daughter's died? I love how Jesus just stops there. Looks to Jairus in verse 36. And it says, as soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Reminds me of Mary and Martha, remember? Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is dying. Jesus waited two whole days before he came. And he gets there and what's Martha say? If you would have gotten here, my brother would still be alive. That's a very valid statement. Hey, Jesus, if you wouldn't have healed that woman right now, my daughter might still be alive. But do you know what Jesus says to him here? He says, it's going to be okay. faith you came to me with thinking I could help the situation don't be afraid hey don't lose your faith right now just keep believing maybe you're in a situation today like the disciples where you're on a boat and you're in the middle of a storm and it looks like there's no hope for you anyway shape or form Maybe you're like the maniac of Gadara and it seems like there's nothing that's going to help where you're at. Maybe you're like this woman that had this issue of blood for 12 years and you've been to all these doctors and you feel like nothing can help you with where you're at. Or maybe you're like this man whose daughter's just died. And the Lord has the same message for us this morning that he had for this man. Don't be afraid. Hey, hey, hey. Just keep trusting me. You don't see it all. You don't understand. And we... So many people and so many Christians want to understand everything. You're not going to understand everything. You're not. When you start to figure something out, something else is going to come up, you're not going to understand it all. I've been a Christian a long time. I've studied the Bible for a long time, and I have a long ways to go. And there comes a point. You've got to understand something. If God, if we could understand everything... There would be no faith. At some point, you just got to believe him. And Jesus tells this man, hey, don't be afraid. 
Keep believing. It's going to be okay. What might seem like God being silent in your life, God's always working. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is the book of Esther. The book of Esther does not mention God's name one time in the book. So why is it in the Bible? Because you see God's hand all throughout that book. And this, it wasn't by chance that the king couldn't sleep one night and, and had someone read to him through the chronicles of things and to hear what Mordecai had done to help him in the past. It wasn't by accident right at that time. We go through a list of so many different things. But where God might seem silent to you today, God's working in the background, and God's always at work. Don't lose sight of that. Don't be afraid. Keep believing. Number three, and lastly this morning, we see the confirmation of his faith. The confirmation of his faith. His faith was weak by this time, and so would ours. There's no doubt. And we see that his faith wavered. In the end, his faith won out. Do you know why his faith won out? Because his faith wasn't in himself. His faith wasn't in his circumstances. His faith was in Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, faith is the victory that's going to overcome the world. And it's our faith in him. Hey, if you're putting your faith in your situation today, putting your faith in people, people will let you down. Put your faith in the one who can help. We see the confirmation of his faith, and we're going to get done here, but we see it's confirmed, letter A, by the Savior's words. I mentioned it a minute ago, be not afraid, only believe. What Jesus is saying is, Jairus, you believe me when you came to me a few minutes ago? Just keep believing. It's going to be okay. You're going to see some things coming, just keep believing me. Hey, as you go through the Christian life today, and as you're going up and down the roller coaster of life, hey, just keep believing in me. Don't be afraid. I got you. You're going to be okay. Keep trusting me. Think about those things. It's interesting to note, the Bible tells us here in verse 37, it says, And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh. It says here, and he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and they that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, he said to them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? And the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed in the scorn. What we see is there were mourners there that were gathered, wailing and crying and sad. And there were tunes being played on a flute. It was the custom of the day. Jewish law required that even the poorest of people have at least one mourner and two flute players anytime death came into a house. And these mourners showed up, they were paid to mourn. That's what they got paid to do. They didn't really care about this person or this family. They just were paid to wail and mourn and carry on. That was what happened. And so... The Bible says here, and we know that Jairus was a wealthy man, it says, it mentions a tumult there, right? Their noises as a tumult, which means it was a clamorous uproar. There's a lot of people. And the Bible says that Jesus seeth, it has the idea of watching for a prolonged time. Jesus sees them. He knows they don't care. 
but he sees a dad in Jairus. He's heartbroken. He sees the daughter's mom. Heartbroken. And what we see take place, we see the fact, and Jesus, he says these words, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. She's dead. But God gave us right there a way to picture the death of one of his children. Death is not the final say in life. The Bible says, it talks about in the book of 1 Thessalonians, those that are asleep. You see, what happens is when a loved one of ours dies to be with the Lord, the body sleeps in the grave while the soul goes to be with God. And then when the rapture takes place, the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, the dead in Christ, will, their body will be raised with their soul Right now, our loved ones that know the Lord, they're with God. They are with Him today. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the Bible fact. But they do not have their spiritual body till the rapture takes place. That's when that happens. So the body is sleeping till that time. That's the spiritual way to look at death. Because the second death hath no part on the children of God. And we go deeper into those things. But as we look at this and as we bring things to a close here this morning, there's a lesson for us as we look at these different things. And you've got to understand that when you face a hopeless situation, keep your faith in the Lord. If you have a need this morning, He's promised to, he's promised to supply all of our needs. You have fears this morning, He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. You feel hopeless today, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Regardless of any situation, you can trust God to do what is right and what is best. We see the confirmation of his faith. It's confirmed by the Savior's words. Then let her be. It's confirmed by the Savior's works. Jesus sends all those that didn't care away and brings the mom and dad and Peter, James, and John into the room. And he heals her. He says, as it says there, Talitha Kumai. The literal translation of that is, Arise, little lamb. What a tender expression from Jesus. It amazes me, as I read these things, what God can do in any situation. As we close this morning, I want to give you two quick thoughts. And then we'll be on our way. Number one, Jesus cares about your situation. He cared for, that ma for the maniac of Gadara. He cared for that woman with the issue of blood. He cared for Jairus' daughter. Number two, Jesus is able to handle your situation no matter what it is. He is able today. It's amazing at the end of the passage here, Jesus tells them not to uh, tell anyone what he did. Say, why is that? Well, remember earlier when, when Jesus told someone not to tell, and then they told, and the whole city went into an uproar? Where the maniac of Gadara was, they went into an uproar and wanted him gone. So he didn't, wanna, he didn't want everyone knowing. 
But I want you to know as we close this out, I think it's, all, I think it's great too, Jesus ends by telling him not to say anything. And then he says, you need to give her some food. You know why she needed food? She's about to be a teenager. Teenagers eat a lot of food. I've learned that one pretty well. And uh, Anthony, Isaiah, Andrew, Harrison, yeah, teenagers know how to eat. So, But as we close this morning, let me leave you with this. If you get a call this week that sickness has entered your family, just keep believing Jesus. When death comes, just keep believing him. When the bottom of life falls out, just keep believing in him. When your prayers seem like they're delayed and you're not getting the answer that you need or want, just keep trusting him. Hey, when you're ridiculed for your faith, just keep believing him. And when you're in a hopeless situation, just keep believing Jesus. You might be here today and not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you know that's a hopeless situation? Death is a hopeless situation. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're in a hopeless place. But you know Jesus died to bring you hope, so you don't have to be hopeless in that area. If you're watching online this morning and tuning in, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, today could be the day of your salvation. The day to come to Him and to get past those things. The Lord loves you. He's there. He cares about your situation, and He can help you through it. Father,